0: Many years ago when I was a younger minister, I feel like I want to say in a galaxy far, far away, uh, I remember moving into town and almost immediately uh, something happened that was very difficult. There was a particular man in that town that decided from day one that he didn't like me and he was going to oppose me. And he would say the nastiest things about me and I didn't even know him and I thought to myself, what in the world am I going to do about this? And so I decided I was going to pray about it. So I prayed about it. And When I would see him, I'd just be really nice to him and ask him questions about him, you know, trying to establish a relationship. But it just got worse and worse. And this went on for about three years. He was older than me and I wanted to respect him. And, and it all kind of came to a head well, one day when he had gathered a group of people in the church that I pastored, about 60 people, and sent them to my office in a rage. I got a call from a deacon saying, Pastor, there are 60 people coming to your office right now. There are? <laughs> yeah, they're coming. And, uh, and so I called him, and I had him come to my office immediately, and I said, listen, I haven't done anything wrong. I don't understand this. I'm not going to deal, these, are, these people are your problem, not mine. You're going to go into that room, have to put them in the choir room. There's so many of them. did not fit in my office. You're going to go down to that choir room and you're going to tell them that you should not have stirred them up, that you, that this is wrong, and that they need to go home and never do this again. Otherwise, if you don't do that, I'm going to the presbytery because disappointing most of all is this was a fellow minister who did not have a church. And, um, I'm going, to, I'm going to, we're going to see about this at Presbytery. Well, he decided he wanted to do it. So he went there, and this happened, and they dispersed. And I, I didn't have any more problems with those folks uh, ever again. I thought, okay, he and I are going to have a relationship now. Didn't happen. Until one day he walked into my office, and he was just crying. He said, I need to see you right now. And I said, well, come in. And he sat down and he said, I am in big trouble. I said, well, what's what's the problem? He said, well, I've done something wrong and and somebody has gone to the presbytery. And uh, I met with them. And Joseph, they asked me this question. They asked me, who who is an authority over you? Who do you trust? And I told them, you. I was like, me? (laughs) I thought, this is really getting interesting. And they told me to tell you that whatever you decided to do with me is exactly what will be. I mean, there is this guy in the palm of my hands. And he was weeping. I said, are you repentant? He said, Joseph, I really am. I said, well, I tell you what, why don't we just try to work through this? We prayed together, and I said, before you go, you and me, right? And we had reconciliation. And you know, for the rest of my time in that place, I didn't have any more problems with that man unless the Lord were on my side. What would have happened in that situation? We read these words, and if it were not for the Lord being on our side. Now, of course, every story is not that dramatic, right? Um, Some of them have to do, and we think about your own life, unless the Lord were right there, what would have happened? You think about your safety. I do remember... uh, two elders and myself, I got a call at 2 a.m. in the morning and they said, Joseph, what are you doing? I'm sleeping. What are you doing? (laughs) Well, you need to get up right now. We're coming to pick you up. We are going. And two elders and myself went to a drug house to take an elder son out of that house. I look back on that now and say, what was I smoking to go (laughs) knock on the door of some drug house and literally go in and you know, grab that boy and take him out. One of the elders was a bodybuilder, though. I will tell you that. I was like, you go first. Um, but uh, just an aside, all the way down the driveway, the son that we had taken in, he just barely knew you know, who he was. He kept saying all the way down the driveway, where's the love, man? Where's the love? And I just wanted to say, this is love, dude. We just risk our lives to get you out of here. <laughs> And if the Lord, if it were not for the Lord on our side, what would have happened? You know, I think about safety and all the things. It's kind of a miracle that any of us get out of childhood and particularly young adulthood. You know, the, the, the four last words of a redneck, hey, y'all, watch this. I mean, that kind of applies to me. And, uh, but the Lord has been there and he has been good. Do you know, as we read these words, if it had not been for, for the Lord being on our side, it's not just personal. And I will tell you right now that the elders of this church, and the deacons for that matter, we have seen through prayer and just humble prayer, God show up in some very difficult situations and we have seen Him avert what could have been a splintering dimension in his church if it were not for the lord's presence, if the lord were not on our side what would have happened and here we have these jewish people you know this is one of the as brad said one of the psalms of ascent these were the this was the playlist the the songbook of israel these were the songs that they would sing together as they would go up to jerusalem and we've looked at some of those recently and those were more about Trust in the Lord. Look beyond the hills to God. This is about remember what he has done. Remember what he has done. If the Lord were not with us, what would it have been like? I think it's very interesting that David, if you look at the, the superscript of the psalm, it's a psalm of the sense of David. David wrote the psalm. Don't you think it's interesting that as he's talking about this really intense trial? that God delivered him and Israel out of that He doesn't tell us what it is. Almost as if by the the leadership of the Holy Spirit, He's leaving space for the pilgrims singing going up to Jerusalem to think about what God has done in their life. You know, to fill in that blank. And certainly to fill in that blank for Israel in all the times God had saved her. Well... Let me ask you a question this morning. I want you to really think about this. If God had not intervened in your life, where would you be in your life right now? If you didn't belong to God, if you've put your trust in Christ and He's made you His own child, if you didn't belong to God, where would you be? What would your life be like without grace? and God's truth, and His presence. This is where David wants you to take this psalm. He wants you to ask what might have been while he lifts up Yahweh God. Now, we do need to talk, have a little discussion about what it means for the Lord to be on our side. This does not mean that, that, you know, God approves of anything we do as if you know, just because you're a Christian, you know, whatever you do, God's on your side, you know, God's okay with that. That's not what it means. God is not on the side of a lot of things that I and you and his children do. No, what this is about is is this is simply an application of the covenant. In the repeating in verses 1 and 2, if it had not been for god on our side let israel say if it had not been for god on our side the word for god there is yahweh if it had not been for the covenant making covenant keeping god who is on our side what david is saying is you know god is on the side of those who call out to him when we become god's children he is there he will never abandon because of this promise he has sworn an oath to His people who have put their trust in Him by faith, that he, you will never be abandoned. And He is therefore on your side. You know, I know there are some people who say, the Lord doesn't choose sides. And I think that's some mandy-pandy kind of big picture deal. Yes, He does. It, it is a contrary to the Scriptures to say that the Lord doesn't choose sides. Had it not been for the Lord on our side, let Israel say, Psalmist is excited about this. He's pumped. I mean, he, he says this. He's enthusiastic. And I, I was reading it. You know, I, a lot of times I'll just read the passage over and over. See, see how the Lord just kind of puts it in my heart and my mind. And I was reading it. I kept thinking, this reminds me of something. This reminds me. And then I went, oh, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of those wonderful African American Preachers who who kind of repeat things for emphasis, just like David is doing in, in verses one and two, how those African American preachers not only pr- repeat things but they invite the congregation into the participation in the middle of it. We read, if the Lord, if it not had not been that the Lord was on our side, let Israel say. This is what it feels like. We put it in kind of African-American language. It's kind of like David saying, if the Lord were not on our side, can I get a witness? You see what I'm saying? Isn't it true? If the Lord were not on our side, can I get an amen? If the Lord were not on our side, do you believe, church? This is the feel of Psalm 124. Two things I want us to look at this morning. The first is, is if God is not on your side, you are alone. You're alone. Secondly, if God is on your side, you can move from fear to praise. If God's not on your side, you are alone. And David... Obviously, it's talking about some incredible trials that Israel went through. As I said, he doesn't tell us. Maybe it's when Saul was defeated by the Philistines. Maybe that's when they had Israel right there in the the kind of the crush, ready to crush them. God calls David. David steps forward. They trust in the Lord their God, and they have victory over the Philistines. It's just a terrible mismatch, unbelievable come-from-behind victory, that God Almighty performs. Maybe it's David's son, Absalom. For those of you who may or may not remember this story, David had a son, and David's son was sweet-talking all the leaders of Israel, trying to get them on his side, and he got them on his side. And by the time he staged a coup d'etat, 95% of the army was under the command of Absalom, and as we say, it was over. Except for the Lord was on David's side if it were not for the fact that the Lord were on our side, maybe he's talking about the Egyptian army. Unstoppable. The only real superpower at the time of the captivity of the Israelites, pinned against the Red Sea, going to sweep in there with chariots and sword and just run through with swords and just kill them all. It's over. Except for the Lord was on their side opened the Red Sea, and those same people in those chariots drowned. It was God who swept them over. Maybe it's the Babylonians. We don't know. But the point is, is you don't want to stand alone before the adversaries spoken of by David. He uses these metaphors. and He's not talking about a literal flood. and He's not talking about a literal... He, he uses, he says, you know... If it weren't for the fact that the Lord were on our side, we would have been swallowed whole. I mean, this, this, this thing wouldn't have even chewed us up. would have just bitten into us, thrown the food, thrown us to the back of His throat, and just swallowed us whole. Done. It's graphic. We would have gotten swept away by the unstoppable power of blood. flood. You've seen the pictures of the tsunami, you know, about five, six years ago that came in. I mean, here's cars, houses, Nothing can stop the tsunami. He said, you know, that's the way it is. That's what we were looking at. Or you get caught in a snare that is inescapable. If the Lord is not on your side, you're alone. Look at verse 2. When people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, Then the flood would have swept us over. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. I want to tell you something. You don't want to face a fallen world alone. You just don't know enough. You, You just, and me too, we're just not wise enough, we're not consistently able enough, we're not strong enough, to do it on our own in a fallen world. Do you believe that? We don't have what it takes in this fallen world where all kinds of things happen in situations. And we have seen people close to us swallowed up whole into inescapable traps. We have seen it. Look, realizing our weakness... And our need is critical in this psalm. It's, it's as if David is you know, saying, Hey, if it weren't for the Lord, can I, can I get an amen on it? If it weren't for the Lord, and you need to see your need. Because if you don't feel that you need God, what, what's the point? Can you do it alone or can't you? What would it take? Because we don't like to admit we can't do it alone. What would it take in your life to realize... You need God's help. What would it take for you to let go of this help, that help, or put those helps under God's help? What's it going to take for us to realize we need His love and His presence and His power in our lives? You see, God made us for relationship to Him. God did not make us to be independent of Him. But to receive from His hand and to glorify Him in all we do, we need God, and we need God on our side. So the first thing is, if God's not on your side, you're alone. You don't want to be alone. Secondly, if God is on your side, you can move from fear to praise. Look at the second stanza of our psalm, beginning at verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, that's Yahweh again. Blessed be this covenant God who has not given us as prey to their teeth. That's graphic, isn't it? We have escaped like a bird. And the the Hebrew word literally means like a little sparrow out of a trap that, that you cannot get out of. The little sparrow escapes because of God. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. And you know that that phrase, unless he had, had been on our side, you know what word that is? That is the past tense of the word Emmanuel. Isn't that cool? Now, Emmanuel means God is with us. And so what this is saying is, hey, the the, the thing that makes the difference in our lives is whether God is with us. God was with them. Had God not been with them, you see, God is with them. God is close to them. God was not only their father in Israel, but he is their kinsman, their their relative, their father that loves them. He's their kinsman warrior. Did you know that about God? God's not some old man in a rocking chair over on the dark side of Neptune somewhere disengaged. God fights for His people. Now I know there are times when you say, well, He didn't seem to fight. Yeah, there are things that God allows to happen to His people. And there are even times in His church of persecution where they die by the thousands like they're doing right now in the Middle East. Like they're doing right now. In China and in North Korea, and we spoke a little bit about that. And, but I'm going to tell you something. Even though that is ha- God is with them, Emmanuel is happening in that situation. Just because we can't see and everything isn't working out the way we, from our position of judging what we would like to see, it is not working out that way, does not mean God is not present and powerfully present. It does not mean that God is not working His will. You remember in the midst of the Roman persecutions at high tide, the in di- the persecutions of Diocletian, fully one tenth of the Roman Empire became Christian while they were killing them left and right. So much that the early church father Tertullian said the, the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. God was there, God's power was working through those people even as they were being killed. We learn from this psalm that it is only the presence of the Lord that keeps them from the sharp teeth, only the presence of the Lord that keeps them from the snare that cannot be escaped. The snare is broken, we escaped. One of the uh, scholars gave a great illustration that I want to give to you. I, I thought to myself, man, I think I've done this before, but he was talking about when one of his daughters was very little. He was watching one of these nature shows, you know, like Wild Kingdom or something, with his daughter. And, uh, you know, these nature shows are incredible. I don't know how they get this, like, close up footage of these animals. And this was, this particular scene was the scene of a hawk. I mean, just unbelievably strong, beautiful hawk. He's, he's in the tuck. He's looking. I mean, you can just, it's like close up. He's looking for something, and he spots it. You can see it. And you know what it is? It's a squirrel. A squirrel has gotten too far away from the trees, and there he is. Man, he goes into the power dive, and the little girl, the little the man, the scholars, that says, "Daddy, we gotta help the squirrel." And he says, "There's no help for the squirrel. I gotta tell you this. This is the way it works. Hawks eat squirrels." And sure enough, man, he's in the power dive. He said that, you know, he, he, he pulled his wings back. You know how they do, like the air brakes, put his talons out, snatched the squirrel, and went off and ate the squirrel somewhere. And, the, and his daughter just was ah, traumatized for life. His point was, is, we're the squirrel. This isn't about 50-50 we might escape. 50-50 we might beat these people. No, look. When the, when, when the children of Israel went into the Promised Land, you got to understand, the Canaanites were armed to the teeth. They were vastly militarily superior to the Israelites. That's why the first time the Israelites checked them out at a place called Kadesh Barnea, remember the spies, they said, we can't beat those people. Those people are huge and they're armed to the teeth. They'll eat us up. And so they didn't go in. And 40 years later, and, and look, when Joshua took them over, the, 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 the Jordan River at flood stage, and when they hit terra firma on the other side, it was far from decided how that was going to go. You don't meet people with chariots when you're a bunch of farmers and shepherds. Had it not been for the Lord on our side, those people would have routed us, but the Lord won the battle. Had it not been for the Lord on our side, we would have never been out of this snare. But the snare is broken. And the little bird goes free because what's not supposed to happen with God does. See, it's different when God is with us. It's different when Emmanuel is true. It's one of the, one of the main points of life. Is God with you or not? And if God is with us, we can move from fear to praise. Remember, when God's on our side, it just means that He's put His love out over us. We're His covenant people, and through Jesus we are His children. I mean, that's just a fact. But it's not a fact that you'll believe it. It's not a fact that you won't look to everybody but God. Let the Lord use other people and resources. Fine, but where is our trust going to be? Our help, verse 8. Our help is in the name of Yahweh, our God, who made heaven and earth. All you got to do is look around you, at creation around you, and see a monument to the power of God that is unstoppable. In Matthew 1.21, the angel came to Joseph when Mary was discovered to be pregnant not of Joseph. Joseph was going to divorce her. The angel came and said, don't do it because she's telling you the truth. That which is within her is is holy. And there's two names that are brought together in Matthew 1, 21 through 23. If you want to read it, she will bear a son and you shall give him the name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, it means the word he shall save. He's the Savior. All this took place and was spoken to fulfill the word of the prophet in Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And what we learn in this text is basically this. Because Jesus is the Savior, He is our Emmanuel. Because you and I escape precisely because Jesus did not. He's our, You want to you talk about what Emmanuel means? You need to talk about what Jesus means. We escape precisely because He did not. We are never abandoned by God, this covenant-keeping, loving God of His family, precisely because Jesus Christ was abandoned by God. My God, my God... Why have you forsaken me? The amazing thing is that we deserve to be left alone in our sin and rebelliousness. We are sinners, aren't we? We sin. And and frankly, you think about how great God is. Our sin, I'm talking about all of us, our sin should cause Him to leave us alone, to walk away, But he never walks away. Because that is the meaning of grace. It is a gift that you did not earn. It is the work of another person and not you. Therefore, it is not dependent upon your works. You can't make it any better by your works. You can't make it any worse. In the gospel, God has declared to those who have put their trust in what Christ has done rather than their own works, He has declared, Mine. Mine, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Look, because I am at your side. I am on your side. No, Jesus took the full wrath of God and not us. And this is the gospel that we don't deserve to be in covenant with God. We don't deserve for Him to always be there. And it's because He's our Savior, Jesus, that He is our Emmanuel. God with us. Well, were it not for the fact that the Lord was on our side, I love the idea that that's just a fact. I mean, it's just a fact. But sometimes, and and I think the psalmist wants us to see it again. He's there, he's there, he's on your side. He wants us to see it again and He wants us to say it again, you know? He wants us to sing it with the the pilgrims again. He's on our side. If He weren't on our side, what would have happened in our lives? If He didn't love us so much, what would have happened? And I know that in the midst of hard things for, for us and for other people, we sometimes wonder where God is. We doubt whether God is on our side and you know, if, if you go through that, and if, you're, if you've got a pulse, you've gone through that. In fact, people that never go through that worry me. Because we live in a fallen world, a real world where we have to sort out what is true and actual that we experience, and we've got to take that to God. And you know, what the psalm says is bring your doubts. Bring your despairs to the psalms. Because you'll find a lot of company if you bring your doubts and despairs to the Psalms. I mean you might think that God is not there because of some specific thing that happened to you or didn't happen to you that you didn't like or made you sad. I want you to know it's okay. God can handle it. He can handle it. Bring it to him. Whatever you do, do not let Satan cause you to just sit there stewing in your negativity. Or it will turn into what's called cynicism. And let me distinguish between being disappointed and being cynical. Being disappointed is something that happened and you're relating what happened to what your experience is and you bring that to God. Being cynical is an attitude. It's a negative. Nah, I don't even know about that. I don't know about that. I already know the answer to that. That's an attitude that basically repels the goodness of God and makes you the center of the world that has to be convinced for God to even be real. I love what Eugene Peterson writes in his book "A Long Obedience in the Same Direction on the Psalms of Ascent. He says if cynicism is left to work behind the scenes in our hearts, it is a." parasite on faith it eats away at our hope and it leaves us anemic in love you know why because it's all about us it's all about us and our world gets about that big now peterson goes on to to talk about how the psalms are a great place to bring your doubts and despairs because every doubting hurting, questioning, despairing impulse we could have is already woven into the Psalms as a part of ordinary life in a fallen world with God. Isn't that good news? See, you're not alone if you've doubted. You're not alone if you've despaired. That's normal human response in a fallen world. Basically, you can't outdoubt the psalmist's. And because the psalmists took their despair and their doubts to God, whose our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, because they took their reality, did not become cynical, took that reality to the Lord, you can't outpraise the psalmists either. You can't outdoubt them. And if you'll take it to God, you can't outpraise them. The Bible does not run away from doubts, it features how God meets us with himself, and brings us more peace, more praise, more trust, and more love. So I would urge you, I'm not telling you to forget the things that disappointed you. I don't want to play games with you, and you don't want anybody playing games with you. Don't just remember, however, the things that have disappointed you. Take it to God, but remember as well how God has showed His love to you and His forgiveness of you in the cross. Remember that sense of peace with God through the Gospel. Remember how the Lord, if you really are honest and look back, has continually loved you. And provided for you in a fallen world. And remember that you have not been alone. He made heaven and earth. And He is there for you. If the Lord had not pursued you. If the Lord had not loved you. Worked on you. Drawn you to Himself. If you were not among God's people, where would you be in your life this morning? What might have been? So let me just go back to my African American preacher one more time, okay? If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, can I get a witness? Can I get an A? If it had not been, let Israel say, if it had not been that the Lord was on our side. Our help is in the name of Yahweh, our God, who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are God and God alone, and we need you. Lord, would you wreck deception? Would you wreck cynicism and the games that we play? And You are not trifled with. You are. And you are not silent. Oh Lord, we pray that you would so move our hearts this morning that we could join the songs in, in our hearts that you are the one and what might have been had you not been there. We give you praise for the fact that you are not just a covenant-making but a covenant-keeping God. We give you praise... That you, Jesus, were abandoned so we will never be. You were punished so we will not be. You were estranged and sent out of the camp so we could be brought into your very arms. Oh, Yahweh, our God. If you've never put your trust in Christ and you see it and you say, Lord, there's no way in the world that I can do what's necessary before this God. I want to turn away from everything else and put my trust and you, Jesus, my Emmanuel. Lord, thank you even now you have forgiven me. Even now you have made me your own. Oh, Lord, we, I pray that as I go through the ups and downs of, of life in this fallen world, that I would remember that you are there on my side. Lord, there are many of us who have known you for some time, and there are despairing people in our midst today. Lord, I pray they would not receive any condemnation for that. But, yea, encouragement to look to you. Would you cause your despairing, your doubting to bring that to you? Would you cause, Lord, your love to reach and there to be a refreshment from you this morning? Oh, Lord, we do live in a world that we cannot... Navigate consistently alone. We pray, Lord, that we not only turn to you for the sake of our own lives, but that we would turn to you and turn from fear to praise for the sake of other people as well. That we would be able to tell our stories to a watching world and a needy world. That indeed you, our God, are Emmanuel. Because you are Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.